1: My name is Rashina Nash. I'm a writer and director. You might know me from my work on Raven's Home season four. Um, I'm still currently on that show and working on some movie projects as well.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Rashina Nash, welcome to the Make It podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too. And for pretty personal reasons, uh, you may not be aware of this, Rashina, but you are. The first independent creative we worked with as a company and as individuals in this business, uh, before you, we had worked with Dick Gregory, but he's you know not an independent creative per se, but uh, and, and his family getting his star on the Walk of Fame, which was kind of the launch of us, you know, sort of hurdling ourselves into film uh, specifically. Before you, we were going to do a little tech and some publishing along with film. But,
1: um, well, I remember, yeah. I remember, and yeah. it's been cool to see you guys blossom because I do follow you on everything and just see how you're growing. And it's like, we're all growing together. So that's pretty awesome.
0: It really is true. It really is true. And you came to us as a recommendation from our good friend and friend of the podcast, two-time guest, Rashid Stevens, who is also sort of growing up in, in LA and doing his thing as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and he he had a ton of faith in you and I remember meeting with you I think in the hotel in Atlanta and and just being you were young and bright-eyed and excited and 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 we were the same way and just trying to make something work and as you followed us we have followed you and we're we're pretty excited about this conversation for for sure I I know for sure I, it's like something I've been wanting to do for three years, we've kind of flirted with this idea of having this conversation for three years, and we just never put it on the books, have we?
1: No, I know. I'm excited to do it too. And it's it's the perfect time. It's all quiet as you can hear around me, even then coronavirus. In coronavirus land, you know. So it's it's perfect timing, and I have some really amazing stuff to share, and I'm excited to catch up with you.
0: Yeah, likewise, so. I, it would be apropos for me to just start this conversation with, with asking you how you've grown since we first met in 2014, 2015, if you had to sort of self critique.
1: um, Well, I will say that for me, it has been more of a, a payout to my consistency uh, since then, because I've always been the, the same since I was, 12, I knew I wanted to make movies. I wanted to, to write, to direct. And no matter what other job I was doing to just either make money or be closer to the people who were doing what I wanted to do, that drive stayed consistent. And I am a product of that that sort of consistent persistence paying off and just having faith in myself and my dreams so um I'm pretty sure at one point when we first spoke um you know you you were aware of my dreams of working with Disney because it's been my dream since forever so to be there now you know it's been it's it's a dream come true man you know I walked in the office and I'm just like, wow. And, you know, have my own office to get, to be there and hear the actors saying my lines and just bringing that, um, bringing my story to life is so fulfilling, but I can't say that it's more fulfilling than when we first met. And at that time I was working on a script that I eventually shot in 2015 for a short film that ended up going to the Cannes Film Festival. And that was the beginning of the shift where I really got to see where my hard work was starting to pay off. And it's kind of like, you know, working out. It's one thing when you're working out and you have the vision of what your body is going to look like um, when it's all said and done. And it's another thing when you start changing and you start to see your results and then it, it goes up even more when your excitement grows even more when other people can start to see it too. And now you're, you've are you gone from being this underdog to this inspiration. So it's just exciting to see.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. There's a lot to dig in there. Uh, I'll, I'll try to reverse engineer it a little bit the you know the workout thing is critical because i really I, well i enjoyed that analogy because what happens is, is when you don't see the results, that's the moment you quit. The number one reason you backslide on any diet or workout plan is because your body isn't responding as fast as you expected it to. Like you expected to see something different in the mirror or feel differently sooner than you are. And, and had you just done one more day or maybe one more week, then you would you would feel that difference. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that analogy. Uh, you talked about wanting to do this since you were 12 years old. Why is that? What was the moment? Was there a moment that that st- sticks out to you around that age that said, OK, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life?
1: Well, I've always since I, I learned to write, I remember the first time um, I really got passionate about writing. I was nine. I was in the fourth grade and my teacher. My teacher read something that I wrote and she said, you wrote this or you found this somewhere. I said, no, I wrote it. And so she gave me something else to write and she was just really impressed. And she said, oh, you can be a writer when you grow up. And fast forward, um, you know, how kids play outside or they play their made up games. I would want to film all of those things, you know, (laughs) 10 camera with my fingers at first. Right. And when I turned 12, my dad bought me a real camera and my friends hated it. Cause I would say, okay guys, look one more time, one more time, <laughs> you know? And they're like, what are you talking about? We're just playing. So I had no idea what I was doing, but it was just kind of in me. So in the seventh grade, I had another teacher and we were doing our first project board project. So this is like first time ever, big project. And I asked her, I said, well, I could make that project board. My mom bought everything, but what if I film it? Cause my dad just bought me a camera. And she said, okay. And I remember shooting the project with my camera and an old DVR camera and having to rewind and record over it because I felt like I didn't do it right the first time. And um, when I turned that project in, that teacher told me she said, "You know, you can be a director." Mm. And I said, "Well, what's that?" So then she took me to um, several film festivals. She took me to different poetry slams and just things that immersed me in the cult in the art culture. So I'm very grateful to her. Shout out to Miss Hirsch. Mm. Um, changed my life. <laughs> And yeah, it's been in me ever since.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's so um, important to have a mentor and to find a mentor or maybe even a mentor find you. That was my situation. Mm -hmm. I was just a waiter in in Applebee's (laughs) 20 years ago and my business mentor found me uh, with the simple question after watching how I worked and how I behaved and my charisma, it was like, what are you doing here? It was yeah. a very simple question. What are you doing here? And yeah, it was just like, I'm here because I grew up very modestly and there was nothing else for me. And that's what I was doing at the time. And it's funny how if you show a little bit of gumption,
1: like mm. you did
0: if you show some talent show some want to then there are people who can take you somewhere like a miss hirsch did so shout out to miss hirsch for that uh, you talked about your your short and going to can which is unbelievable it's incredible you've you've done a lot you've you've worked on a lot of various sets atlanta vampire diaries burden the outsider you've had a yeah. couple of shorts you've worked on god complex you have won uh, an award for Best Original Screenplay for an episode uh, that you wrote on God Complex. Uh, you were on the Bobby Brown short miniseries. It goes on and on. Of course, you write for Raven's Home as well on Disney. But you had these various roles. You've done so many different things, and you started in costume design. So I'm curious, how did you gain the respect of the writer's room? How did you get into the writer's room and maybe... You can walk us through that for those listening, wanting to take your path, but perhaps they're like a PA right now.
1: Okay. Well, from day one, I made sure it was known in my interviews on set to my bosses, everything that I wanted to be a writer. And sometimes like you have to be careful with it because people immediately just say, well, what are you doing here? And I I learned later is because a lot of people get trapped in their position. They once wanted to be a writer, they once wanted to be a director and they got caught up in whatever the position they're in is. And so when they hear you wanna do something else, they wanna immediately just push you out without necessarily the resources and everything that you need. And that's both frightening and you broke, you can't, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, but the other thing that I've learned too is as long as you show up and are excellent at whatever your job is, so if you are a PA right now, be the best PA there, be the first one there, the last one to leave. And when you have downtime and they say, well, what are you doing? And you say, well, I'm working on my script for my short. Then that AD that might've chewed you out before is now like, all right, give her a minute, you know, so they can work on that. And then when you're done, they're excited to read it. They're excited to help you. Um, I just, I'm so grateful, uh, the relationships that I built, we all kind of grew together. So those people that I started off with this PA, uh, PA, we moved up together. So mm. as one person moves up, they help the next person. And so community is also something very important, very important. So, um,
0: How do you you make sure you're in that community? So if you were talking to uh, someone new to the creative world or or maybe someone who's new to a larger set, so they've been doing independent film forever, but they're on a major show now and they're looking for that community. Were there any tips, any tactics you used to make sure you were always part of the conversation? Be kind and to
1: shine in your job. Because so my way in to the business was through costumes, not because I had any experience, but I showed up to this set. Somebody told me, hey, they're filming this movie or what was it? It was it was Vampire Diaries, actually. (laughs) Oh, we're filming. You know, my sister's working on this movie. I just. I talked about it so much that you just start attracting the people that you want. So I'm talking to somebody who I was working on an independent film with. And she says, oh, my sister is the costume supervisor over there. Uh, Just go over there. Because at that time, you could just show up. Because Atlanta only had maybe two or three major productions at that time. Everything was either in L.A. or in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So I do. And she looked at me. And it's like, well, you're dressed real cute, so okay, you could do this. Not realize that the job was really just returning clothes, and you know, it was it was a great job. And what made me shine on there was, as a PA, you're not allowed to read the scripts. That's not a personal thing. That's the rules from the DGA, WGA, whatever. And I would sneak. And take the old scripts because as they make revisions, they just start throwing scripts away. So I would take the old scripts and read them. And so then one of my bosses caught me and she said, If you want to read the script, I'll let you read mine. You just have to read it in my office. So when she would, when I would get off of work, I would go in her office and read the script. And one day, I caught an error in the script and she said, oh, my God, you have to go tell the producers. I can tell them, but you should tell them since this is what you want to do. And the producer, I was so frightened because I'm not supposed to read them. But she says, you have to tell them. So I tell them and it turned into a big meeting with all the producers. And they let me know how I saved them almost one hundred thousand dollars with the errors that I caught in the script. And I immediately was moved up to the producer's assistant. Wow. So I would I would work jobs as a producer's assistant, but I still made the time to move up in costumes because um, there was potential to make really good money as a costumer, on set, and I looked at it as a way to make personal relationships with the talent and the director. So it was, you know. You have to navigate. So I told myself for five to seven years, I wasn't going to like push super hard to be a writer outside of doing my own stuff on the side. Like what we shot with Rashid and um, and I would really just master and build this community for five to seven years. And it paid off for me.
0: I love that. I really do. That's, that's a great story. And bringing value where there doesn't seem to be any place to bring value, you found a way. That's, that's incredible. Um, you've mentioned being an assistant director directing and directing and writing and you're writing right now. What considerations are pulling you towards writing versus directing or vice versa? Or are you trying to really pursue both? And well, should you pursue both?
1: I'm a planner, just like how I made that plan for five to seven years. And it worked. And so by my my fifth year, I kind of had flexibility to do what I wanted to do. I was high enough in my different positions. So I knew, okay, I would work this job for my health insurance benefits for this amount of months. I work this job because I, I'm the boss. I had moved up to producer and production manager in the reality show world and once I got to that level I had a lot of people working for me so I had a lot of free time to write and um whoops I hope they don't know they don't hear that (laughs) (laughs) um then um so now I'm kind of in that place again and I really believe in leaning into what's already working for you so even with actors i encourage them like i have a lot of actors come to me and say i really want to be you know i'm looked at as the hot chick but i don't want to be that i want to be an action star or you know people look at me or they talk to me and they think i should do comedy but i really want to play serious dramatic roles and it's, it's not that you can't do that, but lean into what's working for you. So right now, my writing is taking off, is working for me. So I'm going to lean into that for the next five to 10 years. And once I have, and again, it's, on, it's just on a different level now, where I still let my managers, agents, attorney, uh, bosses know that I want to direct. So should the opportunity come up and they want to give a new director a shot, they'll remember me, but I still, I'm, I'm going to get to, a, my plan is to get to a place in my writing where now I'm excellent at it and they know my work. And so when I tell them, yes, I wrote this and I want to direct it, they're like, Oh, absolutely. Rashina, who else can <laughs> direct it? You know, you have to play the game and, I know now, too, that life experience is what makes a director incredible, which is why a lot of directors really don't take off until they're in their 40s or older because you have to know life to be able to see life in a lens. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's great. It kind of leads in. It's a a nice segue into... My next question, because you do have a, um, you do have these dreams, you're following this path, but you are a female director and a black female director at that moving forward in in this way and writer. So I'm curious, have you developed or is there a specific POV you're developing or have developed that sort of permeates through your storytelling? Is there, is there something you want to say or show?
1: Hmm. Let me think for a second. Um, For me. I have found um, I have a few passion projects that I do want to direct one day, but I have truly found a love in writing for children. And um, when I say for children, I mean even adult children. So so Um, me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So you, and I see myself being the one creating these movies that you go to see as a family that leads to conversation, insight, and um, and on any any topic. So I want to be a part of, and I'm actually blessed to be a part of, the change within the industry and showing and really showing black lives matter. You know what I mean? Like on the screen, off the screen. Um, My goal is to make movies that we, we love that bring back the nostalgia for the adults, but where you always imagine it, it was you or it could be you, your kids grow up seeing that, seeing them, You know what I mean? And by them, I mean, if you, let's say for me growing up, I love Freaky Friday. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to switch bodies with my mom and just see (laughs) why she was so weird. You know, whatever. And, you know, but I've never seen that with a black mother and daughter. And I think it would be so fun to, it would be, it would just, excite the little girl in me to write <laughs> something, direct something like that, you know, for generations to see later. So
0: this is a bit of a shift for you though, right? Because when you look at your two short films from about four years ago, five years ago respectively, they're both really based on relationships and the complexities of relationships, whether it be infidelity or or race or 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 class. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think drove that shift for you from that to into something more like a black freaky Friday, which by the way, is a fantastic <laughs> idea and I would buy a ticket to it right away.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've always wanted to do that. It was just the dream was so big and unfortunately so far fetched that it was kind of ahead of its time. And I just, I, I just love to tell stories. So, I'm, I studied a lot of how to make intriguing short films and how can I tell a story in three three minutes to fifteen minutes. And um, the best the best ones to do are thrillers, dramedies, where you build suspense really quickly. You have faith, you lose hope, and then boom, whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was me. So more so learning about how to tell a story. Now I do have movies that I've written that I want to direct that are dark comedies or thrillers or adventure, action adventure movies. And, um, my manager likes to call me a a Swiss army knife. Cause you just never know what you're going to get, uh-huh. you know? So, cause the movie that even that I wrote, the script that I wrote that even got me signed and got my name out there is really going to throw you off. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so it's an action adventure story. Think Indiana Jones with the two last travelers on the underground railroad, a free black man and an orphan white girl. So, yeah. So but I mean, it's just something like you've never seen before. I actually travel along different stops on the Underground Railroad all over the country and, you know, did my research and put myself in those shoes. So the story feels authentic. So that's kind of where I'm at now is whatever story I tell, what can I tell authentically? Because I think that's the best.
0: Whenever someone is a a polymath or um is a jack of all trades, they get called a Swiss army knife. And I always thought the irony of that is that the Swiss never fought.
1: Hmm.
0: they 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 don't have an army. They they literally they literally like don't involve themselves in war like them in Switzerland. They don't get in wars. Uh they they abstain. Uh
1: I why they named it that then. That's so odd.
0: I know it's just the strangest thing. I just thought I'd share a little bit of nerdum with you.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's my specialty. Uh, okay, I I have to ask you this: um, you you had a mentor, Miss Hirsch, but along the way, you've been on set with a lot of experienced creatives that have pulled you along, made you part of communities, and helped you along the way. What are the two best pieces of advice you've received in your career and and who did they come from?
1: Hmm. That's good. Um, I've had quite a few mentors since Ms. Hirsch. We actually reconnected on Facebook not too long ago because I did an, an interview like this and someone told her and, you know. But since then, I've had a lot of really great influential people. Because I started so young, I feel like people just gravitated to that. Um, Cause you don't see a lot of young people with drive anymore. And um, Interesting. So a ton of big brothers and big sisters to look out for me. Um, one of the best things I've ever been told from a writing standpoint is one of my mentors, Abdul Williams, he wrote, uh, the new edition story and mm-hmm. the story, just to name a few. And, um, he told me that everything you write needs to have a theme. And whenever you get stuck and you have writer's block, go back to that theme and say, okay, is my story delivering? Is it, is it keeping the promise to why I started this piece? And that's just very helpful. So anytime I get writer's block, I go back and say, okay, sometimes I don't start with my theme, So (laughs) that might be a moment where I say, okay, I need a theme. That's what's missing because the best work is with substance.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I agree with that. Is there, is there, it's, well, let me actually, let me touch on that really quick before I ask you if there's a second piece of advice you've gotten. That one thing is so nuanced it's it's unbelievable uh you know, bonsai gets sent a lot of screenplays and we review them and if they don't have a ton of typos in the first 10 pages we'll keep reading it and when the screenplay doesn't work it typically isn't the writing like the writing is actually pretty good and it's interesting yeah. but they don't have anything to, they're not saying anything who's what, what, what at the end of it the the Question: The overarching question that just jumps right out at you is, as a reader, is who is this for?
1: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm.
0: And without and and what you realize is what it's missing is a theme. So the theme ties an idea to a group of people who would like to hear that idea. Uh, in yeah. In a lot of ways. So that's that's powerful. Is 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 there any other advice you've gotten in your career that that you can remember or think of? If not, it's okay. But just curious.
1: Um, as cliche as it sounds is don't never give up, don't stop. And, um, one of the quotes that I heard a while ago was from Kevin Hart. And he said, everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to do the work. And I, as I continue to grow in my career, I understand that more and more and more. And so my, my advice is to do the work and be excellent at it. Um, that's something that one of my other mentors, um, his name is Jonathan Goldstein, and he wrote Horrible Bosses and Spider-Man Homecoming, just to name a few. And, um, you know, whenever I send him something, he's like, what's going on? Because by the time it gets to me, it should be excellent. And that's how you should move with everything in your career. By the time you say, hey, can you read this? Unless it's a person. Well, even then, because he's a mentor friend that if I send it to him, I want his honest opinion. But by the time it gets to him, he should know that I put my all into it. And he, we have a relationship now so he can tell the difference. So just remembering that, that be
0: excellent at it. Yeah, it's a great point on on both Kevin Hart and and just the other idea of of how you work and how you take feedback and digging in on both of those. I can kind of go in reverse. The first question I will ask someone who wants feedback is, do you want me to tell you tell you you're great or do you want the truth?
1: <laughs>
0: and see what they say because the best feedback can be really brutal. Matter of fact, I'll break it up into two or three sessions because it's a creative you really rely on your ego to wake up the next day and do this again.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's 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 critical. Nice.
1: I, had to, I had to throw my ego out and just take it, you know, like most <laughs> <Right. laughs> people have been and still are relentless. They is is interesting now now people are more gentle and I can take it now. You don't have to tiptoe, but <laughs> they, they did, not they did not care.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And that, and those people are really looking out for you uh, the most, you know, only a friend tells you when a boogers in your nose, <laughs> everybody else is is waiting for the reactions. Right. Uh, and then with the, with the Kevin Hart thing, you're right. It, it has this, there's this cliche vibe about never give up and everybody wants to do the work or wants to be famous, but nobody wants to do the work. But when you dig into the detail of that, what that means is a saying no to your wife. It means saying no to your kids one day to go do something else. It means saying no to this family member. Basically, It means saying, prioritizing your dream over some things that are going to hurt you deeply and hurt, potentially hurt others deeply. Because lo and behold, there will be a conflict. There will be a time where you blocked out this four hours to write and somebody in the second hour wants you to leave to go have breakfast, right? um, So my oldest sister, Angie, had a baby when she was 15 and she realized really quickly what that really was gonna mean because mm-hmm. all of a sudden her girlfriends aren't calling anymore. She can't leave and go. And then when she leaves to go with the girlfriends and the baby has to be on somebody else, it's it's not good for her soul or the baby's well being, right? So mm-hmm. these big choices had to be made. Like, okay, am I gonna kick it with my girlfriends or am I gonna be a good mom to my to my child? And mm-hmm. that's kind of what having a dream is like. You're you're raising this dream. And you have to give it the attention it deserves or just say, I don't think it, you know, I'm cut out for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, we're quarantined and everything. And um, I'm quarantined with my family and they are lovely. We have really enjoyed my time, um, but I need to write. And so my day to day of just. You know, playing with kids and uh watching movies and reading leisurely is not enough. You know what I mean? Right. Um so I I booked I booked me a hotel and I I ran away for a week and it was hard to leave my daughter behind and you know, but I I had to do what I have to do because that's part of this the I, sacrifice I love that. for real.
0: It's amazing, and I've heard people taking sabbaticals, trips to Montana, um, you know, hotel rooms, staycations. Uh, It's I've I've heard all these different things, and they're all really effective, especially if you can't get into a a flow state, you know, with everyone around, even with the door closed. So it's a tough decision to make, and kudos to you for having the courage to make it. um, You know, in the long run, if you're like you said, you're a planner. In the long run. You'll be successful and your kid will thank you for it in the end. So it's like you owe it to your family to be there for them, but you also owe it to your family and friends to be successful so you can continue to be the best friend and mother or father Black. or sister or brother you can be to them. So it's a it's an interesting dance. Uh, if you could give independent creatives one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: I hope my pauses aren't messing you up. I like to really think before I speak. <laughs>
0: I love a good pause.
1: Okay. Um again, I'm gonna stress to be excellent at whatever you do. If you wanna write, write every day. If you wanna act, if you want to act, film yourself every day. If you wanna direct, shoot something every day. We live in a time where it's literally possible for you to do that. Nothing is holding you back but you and the rest will fall into place you don't have to have a bunch of plugs or connections when I got into Sundance I didn't even know what Sundance was and they reached out to me and I'm like oh yeah alright well I told my friend I said hey they want to put um, our movie in this thing called Sundance and she started like flipping out <laughs> <except for> me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know she did to this day. I don't know who submitted it, but someone did.
0: Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Being surprised by Sundance is the greatest story ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Congrats. What what a blessing that is. I, I know a lot about sort of your taste and what you want to do individually, but I don't know who you admire and who you look up to. So I'm curious who, who is out there? What creatives do you most admire and want to emulate? And then what do they do from a technical or skill standpoint that makes their work stand apart?
1: Well, Alfred Hitchcock is who I like to channel. a um, Somebody asked me earlier today, have you seen every one of his movies? You know, because I I love Alfred Hitchcock um, because he is a master storyteller, and that's my goal. I want to be a master storyteller. Another person that I admire for their life's work is um, Walt Disney because of his innovation and his story from literally having nothing but a a dream and to create. Do you imagine like drawing a picture and wishing that it moved and then figuring out ways to do so. And then it's in the movies and now you, your family forever, your last name will be tied to that. So I'm not doing it for fame or anything like that, but legacy is important to me because I want people to see my work and know that despite of they can. Um, My parents, um, I've lost both of my parents, but they were also very influential and creative. And, you know, I do this to still make them proud.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And if, if it's not too painful, uh, since we went that area, how did you lose your parents? Do you mind speaking about it?
1: No, it's fine. Um, my dad had a heart attack when, uh, back in 2014 and my mom, I think she was just heartbroken and it eventually made her sick. She missed him so much. I moved, you know, and, um, she eventually died from uh, cancer yeah. and she died the day my movie screened at Cannes. So I, when it happens, it's just crazy.
0: That is crazy. <laughs> it's, that's unbelievable. And, and I know there's been some time, but, but my condolences, uh, I uh, still have my dad. Luckily, uh, my mom passed in 2007 uh, from uh, congestive heart failure or sort of the, the, side effects of that sort of thing. But I have heard that before. I had a friend growing up named Robbie, whose father had died of cirrhosis of the liver and his mother, who apparently, apparently had only been with that man her whole life, stayed inside of her house for the next 30 days. And then kind of on day 30 was found passed away. So, and they, they always told me that she had died of a broken heart. Yeah, there's, there's really something to that. There's something quite sweet about it, actually, yeah. even though there's, it, it, it's sad. Um, you mentioned this earlier. You, you talked to a little bit about this. You just said a one little comment that stuck out, which was uh, the kids today don't have drive. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. Sure. So what are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see newcomers making today?
1: Well, for one, um, taking the time to study. So how I was able to answer your question even about people I look up to was because I've studied the work. You know what I mean? And um, a friend of mine, he he tells me he has a board of directors. Right. And it's so weird. and so it's so cool, though. It is really just people that he studied and admired. And whenever he gets down, he remembers, you know, words from Muhammad Ali or, you know, what someone else did that was really innovative and inspirational. And so that's one of the things I did. I took the time and studied just amazing people. And it doesn't matter what their career was. So I love I love Kevin Hart because of that. I love um, I love Kobe Bryant. I love Michael Jordan. Um, sports people come up a lot for me because that is one of the things where you can physically see somebody change and, but you have to have that same capacity as an artist, that same drive and fight because it's, it's, it does get easier, but it's still a fight in a, in And you got to have the drive because there's going to be somebody else coming up right behind you who's better than you. And so what makes you stand out? And um, another thing is uh, time. You know, we that ties into what I was just saying, but understanding that it takes time. I never talked to anybody up and coming that says they're willing to wait five years before they see results. And when I used to say it, they said, that's crazy. You could do it right now. And truthfully, I probably could have. It probably didn't have to take me 10 years, but I was very specific about what I wanted. And right now, a lot of people aren't specific. They just want what they want.
0: I think that's really great feedback. Patience is a marker of this latest generation or lack thereof. And there was a great study. I can't remember what university it came out of, but basically they sat a delicious, fluffy marshmallow on a plate in front of a a number of children.
1: Marshmallow challenge. Right,
0: right. And some kids ate the marshmallow right away. Basically, they were told if they they can eat the marshmallow if they want to, but if they can wait a certain amount of time, they'll get a second marshmallow. And a good percentage of the children did not wait. They went ahead and ate their marshmallow. And then some kids actually could wait, and they got the two marshmallows. Well, they followed these kids all the way into adulthood. And found that the kids that could wait for the second marshmallow did like 30, 40% better financially, (laughs) 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 were happier. There are like all these markers of success that these individuals had simply because they were able to deploy patients uh, at a young age. So kudos to you for that. Uh, You've been awesome. I only have a couple more questions if you're still good.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, you're fine.
0: Awesome. This has been so much fun. And, and I feel like I'm learning so much about you. I could probably go on for another hour. So I think a round two is in order sometime within the next five years, instead of waiting five years, like we did this time. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, I'm down for that.
0: Yeah, me, me too. Um, in a perfect world. So speaking of the five years, by the way, so, so mm-hmm. let's, and, so we, I, I met you in 2014, 2015. It's 2020 now. In 2025 in a perfect world, what were your what uh will your career look like?
1: Um you will have gone to the theater to see several movies. Um written and direct maybe directed. I'm not pushing it, I'm patient, but definitely written by Rashina Nash. Um Yeah that's that's the big thing and not just and it'll be some Disney movies and also some of my passion projects I would like to return to Sundance and Cance with an independent that I direct within that time as well um, yeah I'll be the mother of a 17 year old girl so I'll be expecting lots of prayer <laughs> <laughs> I also <laughs> am writing a book. I've been writing this book for maybe six years now, and by that time, I think it will be ready. But it's called "Hard Conversations," and it's about how, on your your road to success, that's that's a major that's a major part of it. If you want to be successful, you have to have hard conversations. So.
0: I love it. It's also a great name for a podcast. I know you have one of those coming out, so maybe maybe you have one called Hard Conversations. That's a good podcast name.
1: Thank you. I like that. <laughs> for,
0: for sure. Um, Michael B. Jordan recently created the hashtag #ChangeHollywood, and it's really about um, rising up Black voices in Hollywood and having more Black stories and, and Black characters cast. But friend of the podcast, an actor down in Atlanta himself, Chris Green, really says the issue is that a broader cast of black actors uh, and a broader range of black actors needs to be cast. And that what Hollywood does is they always cast the same black actors over and over again. So he would actually sort of say, hey, don't always cast Michael B. Jordan for every black leading role. Why don't you cast some other black actors? There's plenty of us out there that are doing a good job. Where do you stand or where do you sit on this issue? Do you think there's a problem for Michael B. Jordan? Or do you agree with Chris Green where he's saying, Hey, I would just like to see more black actors cast.
1: Um, I would say that there needs to be more black actors cast because even Us as Black people, we also go to the same names that we already know. So it's more than just like, oh, white Hollywood is keeping us out. Black Hollywood is also not expanding within itself. And I would like to be a part of that change in seeing more people. Yeah, seeing a broader range of Black actors and I call it normalizing Black. I want to see... Like I said, Black actors and Freaky Friday. Now, does Michael B. Jordan need to be in that? No. Right. You know what I mean? Do we need to see another thing with Gabrielle Union? No. I mean, do not not knocking her. I would love to see her on TV. But you know what I mean? For a different role. I mean, for something breakout, I would like to see some new breakout faces. And it's not knocking any of the people that are working because the truth the truth of the matter is they, they aren't even working as much as they should.
0: Right. Right. That's a great point.
1: It's so limited. And we have, we still have such a long way to go because we don't, we, we aren't on every level. And I think that's a major problem. For example, TV movies are their own world. But if I go and cut on lifetime or hallmark most of the movies that I watch are not going to, I'm not, I can watch 10 movies back to back and maybe see one black person.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's true.
1: (laughs) And then when Lifetime did make a big scene with their first like black movie, it was still Taraji P Henson, which again, not knocking her, but Taraji is a big time actress, Right. you know? And it would have been nice, though, to just give an opportunity to an up-and-coming to play that role.
0: Right. By, by casting Tarashi P. Henson, you are signaling that your investors were worried that a Black person without a name couldn't carry the same revenues that a, a white actor with a, a very B-rated or C-rated name could.
1: Exactly. And... I like to argue that point a lot, and I think that the numbers for Black Panther could back me up, where Black people will come out and support.
0: I totally agree. It's an interesting conversation we had. We actually had an interview with uh, Kim Cookie McCray, who is an agent here in Nashville, Tennessee, and and you know, represents hundreds of, of, of folks and, and talent around town and in Atlanta as well. And she has a love for Hallmark <laughs> Films, but she will openly admit that there is a, a lack of diversity there. And she would say it differently, but I'm, I'll protect her and just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rashina, you are amazing. You are an inspiration. I hope people love this. Uh, conversation and, and want more out of it and follow you. Uh, speaking of that, can you tell everybody where to follow you on social media and where they might see some of your work
1: on the internet? Yeah, sure. Um, so my social media is all Rashina J Nash, R-A-S-H-E-E-N-A, <laughs> Rashina J Nash, anywhere. And, um, My, If you want to check out some of my stuff, you can go to my website, which is just RasheenaNash.com.
0: That's wonderful. Rashina. this is incredible. One last question. You shot a sizzle reel for a would-be reality show, Trainers of Atlanta. Is that actually a show? And if not, will it be a show? Because I would definitely watch it.
1: (laughs) It's not right now, but... Hopefully one day, yeah, I shot that for a friend, and um, he's doing his thing with it. So shout out to Marcus. Good luck. Everything's going to work out. <laughs>
0: yeah, it looks hilarious. And, and, and this idea of trainers sort of uh, having to do each other's workouts, not getting along, um, <laughs> this whole, uh, no, this is my block of of. of you know, unhealthy people to train, you go get your own block. And, and then just having that rest sort of right there in the heart of Atlanta. Now that is an interesting show. And the thing I love about it is it's not a show about black folks being ratchet. It's a show about black folks being really, really excellent and disciplined at the thing they're doing and trying to share that with someone and then navigating the complexities of being a business owner at the same time. Yeah. So
1: you hit it on nail on
0: the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm rooting for them, rooting for you. Rashina, this is fantastic. Stay safe, stay healthy during COVID. I hope to get down to Atlanta to hang out with you. If not...
1: Oh, no, I, I live in L.A.
0: now. Oh, you're in L.A. Oh, no, you may not move. Okay, in that case, I will see you because I'm in L.A. all the time. So I just came from L.A. Okay, so next time I'm in, I'm in L.A., I want to go to the alcove with you, which is where I take everybody when I'm in LA. It's a little breakfast spot. So we'll go out to the alcove together and hang out there uh, once this COVID thing is is all done.
1: All right. Well, I can't wait for that.
0: Me either. It's going to be a good time. Rashina, take care of yourself and I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: All right. Bye.
1: All right. Bye, everyone.
0: (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Banzai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on book us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged,